What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texas All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and hopefully you are staying dry where you are listening to the show tonight. We got plenty for you. We got a little Texans audio jukebox coming up our next segment. We're going to hear from Dario Gumbuale, who's at the golf tournament today, caught up with Drew Doherty. Uh, and then we're going to hear a little bit from each of the ten, nine draft, nine, yeah, nine draft picks the Texans made. So we're going to hear that uh, a little bit later. We'll go around the NFL. There's a rumor that I heard or read, I think it was today or Sunday, I can't remember, about the Baltimore Ravens, which I thought was very interesting. And it was one of the reasons why my bold prediction, which I said to Mark, I said this the other day, I reminded him, I said, you know what my bold prediction was about Lamar Jackson? was that he was going to sign, it was going to be announced on draft day. And exact it was. On draft day Thursday, it was announced he was staying with the Ravens. But what if he had not stayed with the Ravens? Hmm, we're going to tell a little bit. But kicking off the show, our good friend James Palmer, NFL Network, had a lot to say, especially because we drafted a Buckeye. Why does that matter? Well, James is a Buckeye alum he knows C.J. Stroud pretty well. He's very excited for the Texans. He sat down with Drew Doherty, and they talked about a lot. Let's get to it right here. It's all. It's been too long. I don't think you and I have done this, James Palmer of the NFL Network. I don't think you and I have done this since COVID. That's inexcusable. So, first of all, uh, welcome. It's good to see you. Inexcusable on your part, Drew, considering yes, I can't invite myself onto this. <laughs> no, uh, I'm taking so the blame. It's on, it's on me. It's not you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's great to see you. You're the perfect guy to hey, talk buddy. to. Anytime, really, but especially now because you've got a couple of degrees from Ohio State. You work in the NFL. Yeah, you're pointing. There you go. And you have been bird dogging this stuff all along, not just this year, but for years now. And for folks that don't know, James also worked here in Houston about a decade ago, did a great job on a great place that business wise had some things. But yeah, the content, the product was phenomenal. I stand by the content. I do too. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And I wish it would something like that would come back. But anyways, CJ Stroud is a Houston Texan. And in the run up to the draft, the weeks leading up to the draft, we heard lots of stuff about different options. But really, wasn't it all along kind of an Occam's razor type of thing? The simplest and smartest and most logical choice was the right one. If Bryce Young is gone, you take the other great quarterback at two. Is that kind of Ultimately, what we saw. Yeah, it is. It is true. Like, I, I understand Anthony Richardson. I understand the allure of Anthony Richardson. I understand the love that he was getting in the draft process uh, because the ceiling and the capability of possibly getting up there is is astronomical. Like, I remember talking to guys and, and, and coaches that were on the field at the Combine that had never seen him up close before, and they were like, it's like a Greek god. Like, this yeah. is like... This is unreal. And actually, one of them made the comparison to CJ, and they were like, CJ's not a small dude by yeah. any means. And like Anthony Richardson is this thing out there physical, yep. physically that's just remarkable. But when you really looked at it, you were like, and everybody I talked to around the league was like, it was Bryce and CJ, a gap, and yeah. then the other three and however a team had them. Some teams like Hendon Hooker, honestly, they did. Levis sure. or Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson kind of, in, in teams' minds, even though there's such a small sample size, kept climbing just because of the, the possibility. I think the first two, 
check just so many boxes. It did seem like the logical thing to do with where Houston was, the amount of capital they had. And I honestly think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Bryce Young and the situation he's walking into, and it's a pretty good situation to you. I think CJ Stroud's walking into a pretty good situation. Like, yeah. how often do you be a top of the, the draft type pick and have your tackles in place, a really good run game? Um, I will see how the interior of the offensive line kind of comes together because, you know, D'Amico and Nick have, have done some things to shape, shape that yep. up a little bit, but it's, it's actually not a terrible situation. And I think people were almost just overthinking it, I think. And yeah. I think what happens in this process is it's very long. <laughs> we talk about it every day and zero information was coming out of the Texans building. So what happens? Everybody's mind just starts going and maybe we all left the logical uh best answer out which was cj stroud's a really good quarterback and the texans need a really good quarterback and that that ended up being the play all along yeah and you watch every buckeyes game i know but i just yeah. can't get past the accuracy over the years i mean the high 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 completion percentage the number of touchdowns in his two years versus the number of interceptions i mean yes there have been guys who have not been very very accurate in college statistically speaking who have gotten better but they're it's very very group, rare though. it's so yeah. rare whereas you don't have i mean he might be one of the most accurate college quarterbacks of all time considering mm -hmm. how much he had to throw the stress and the situations he was in and so on and so forth so with that in mind what do you think how do you think he marries with the bobby slowick uh offense he's the new offensive coordinator obviously but he's from that kubiak shanahan tree it seems like a very you, you talk about fits and situations to walk into with that regard. Mm -hmm. How much yeah. of a nice marriage might that be? I think it's I think it's a good marriage because of his footwork. I really yeah. do. And it's it's something that I mean, I, I did his pro day at Ohio State. And I remember Steve Smith and I, colleagues and my good buddies are, are standing there. And I have, if you want to watch, you know, quarterbacks and receivers work out at a pro day, I'm, I'm going to stand next to Steve and he's going right. to tell me. What's going on? He's telling me everything about Jackson Smith and Jigba. We were in awe over Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, yeah. who's going to probably be a top five pick next year and the number one receiver, you know, in the draft. But he was just talking about CJ throwing the ball, and it was just like, just look at how he layers the ball. Look at how every ball is thrown in the spot, as you mentioned, the accuracy to make a play with it. And, and that was a big part of Ohio State's offense too, is the run after the catch. A lot of this crossing stuff, a lot of these big plays happen because guys are catching it in stride the way CJ operates. But the accuracy plays a part. And kind of Ryan Day kind of told me this a little bit. It's like he, he plays the position with his eyes, his arm, and his feet in unison. And I think that's a huge aspect that when I talk to evaluators, like isn't really that common in college quarterbacks because a they usually have a, just a lot of talent a lot of pro kind of ones do. too <laughs> yeah, yeah i was trying to be nice you know guys <laughs> these guys coming out uh yeah but still struggles in the pros but the the way that he goes about it some teams were in that i talked to were in love with the way it's like i go i go through my progressions with my eyes my arm and my feet all in unison and i'm on a platform to throw immediately and that's the way this offense is going to kind of work the way he goes through it and that's a strength of his that not a lot of guys in the in this draft or, or previous drafts really have had all three of those marry together so well and I think that plays a part you know it's funny like some people I talk to that obviously the Kubiak system is spread everywhere uh, around the league but guys that really believe in it that are like you know scouts or evaluators I talk to they're like he's a perfect like fit for this type of system he's almost an old school quarterback like yeah. that's the way he was kind of described. Like, 
maybe some people kind of have forgotten. They get wowed by, and I understand it, Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson and all these guys that do these things outside the pocket and create everything. They're like, he's a pure old school West Coast offense pocket passer. And, and that's no knock on him, they said right. in the process. They're like, we just don't see that. And a guy be very good at it uh, very often. Yeah. And he could, he could do all those things. And like we he saw against Georgia, he could, he could still run too. Like if he, he needs just, to run, he's going to be he all right. He just never had to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be honest. Like, and, and it's funny, like a lot of, a lot of discussion uh, around the league a little bit was like, you know, you always put into the, the program that a guy's coming out of into the equation. I mean, it, I'm a Buckeye, so I can say it. Like it, it, they have an advantage. There's usually a talent that they have better yeah. than, than their opponent. They manipulate the system with the hash marks and the way it works. Like, but they're saying you can't knock the kid, <laughs> like for the system he's playing in. It's smart of Ohio yeah. State to win games that way. Um, and I think just he didn't have to run because he he knew his he knew his options after his first two. And that's usually where he was going to go with the football as opposed to go out there and uh, put the football sometimes in danger when you go out and try to create too much. You know, so the bona fides, you know, he's got them on the field. I was really struck in the po- the the press conference where he arrived in Houston with Will Anderson. A lot of impressive stuff was said by both those guys. But yeah. one thing that really stood out to me, he kind of casually was joking how LeBron James is the leader of Ohio, and then it's the Ohio State quarterback. There's stuff that he's had to deal with, and not deal with, but yes, deal with, deal through, talk with. Just he's seen so many things in that position that mm, most of us have never will, never seen, or never will. Can you speak to that and his leadership and how he gets along with others, both on the team, out in the community, all that? Because that's that's a rare position in which he's been, and now he's going to lead a locker room and maybe even more. Yeah, Drew, you got to remember, like, college football, there's no rules on, like, how often you have to talk to the media or how yeah. often you're out there. There's teams that hide guys like crazy. Jalen Carter just went to Philly at the ninth overall. When he met with the Philly media, that was his third press conference of his career ever. Like, he, he just never talked to anybody. It's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, like, that wasn't CJ's experience. He was out in front, the face of the franchise as, like, I mentioned him once, Ryan Day and I talked for a while at the pro day. He's like, he, he was, he was the face of a, of a fortune 500 company. Like yeah. he's, you know, you're the most popular person in the state. Everybody knows you go back and look at how his career started at Ohio state and the way that first game went and how he was destroyed by fans and by the media and how he was just absolutely torn to shreds. And it didn't really phase him. Like he came back and he, and he came and he bounced back, go watch his press conference after his loss to Michigan this past year. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. it's fantastic. Because, I mean, the guy lost to Michigan twice. He's probably the greatest quarterback to ever come out of Ohio State, prospect, like, just in terms of their career there. And, and, he, and he lost to Michigan his last two years. Like, uh, that 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 paid a price. That, 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 that sat with him. And yeah. you can see, though, how mature and how professional he was in that press conference after that game against Michigan. And I think that his experience at Ohio State maybe, in all honesty, this pains me to say, some of the lack of success in those games, I think has benefited him as, as a player mm. uh, and as a person off the field. But as a like you mentioned that press conference, like you also saw a little bit of his competitive side there, didn't you? Like sure. you saw how competitive he is. And some of his meetings with teams, 
they really loved how he had some edge to him. Like he had some real competitiveness to him. I remember standing in the middle of the field at the Ohio State Pro Day and he like him and Josh McCown are talking about basketball. And he's like, and he, Josh was like, when you come, you know, out to Charlotte, we'll, we'll, we'll hoop it up. And when he's like, he's, he's like, there's a court right here. Like, let's right. go, let's play right here. Like he, he wants to compete in everything. I think his, his ability to lead a franchise as Ryan Day put it to me, he already did it. And so I think he's in a very good spot from what he's learned to now step in and do it again. Cause he did it. That's a, that's a, that's a, I don't want to say pro program, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's me. level. Uh, just point of clarification, I'm about a year or two ahead of Josh McCown. I went to SMU. He started out at SMU before transferring to Sam Houston State. He's a jungle cat, and he would probably he would probably <laughs> beat C.J. Stroud on the basketball court. He can do like – I heard he can hoop like big He's time. Amazing. He's a yeah. mate, like 360 and everything. That That's just talking about his basketball skills. Nothing else, nothing else. So uh, the trade to get Will Anderson – you're not able, you're probably not able to pull, you're able to pull it off if you're picking first, but you're paying a whole hell of a lot more if that's the case. So this is kind of one of those reminders, I think, of why you play to win, why there's no such thing as tanking or should should be such thing as tanking in the NFL. So for all this moaning about why the Texans beat the Colts at the end of the season, well, I think we saw a little bit, now that's not the end game and that's not what, you know, but I think things kind of work out. And I think this is going to work out in the Texans' favor. And so if there's football gods, I think they smiled upon the Texans for trying to win. And this is the reward. Am I taking this too far? Like Probably that. so, but, you know, that's no, what I'm doing. I like that. Yeah, That helps Drew's head hit the pillow at night. That he's just the way he takes it. But listen, like, and you're right. And I think something people should remember, like, I've talked to coach about this all the time. Like, you can turn things around very quickly in the NFL. The parity yeah. in the league is remarkable. And the number of teams that make the playoffs that didn't the year before and that didn't and don't, like, it's it's back and forth every year. And if a couple of things go well, you can turn things around very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, three was up for sale uh, big time. There was a couple of teams that were really interested to get to three and had trades in place if – the Texans didn't take CJ Stroud that they were yeah, going to take Anderson and get first. If they take Anderson first, the there's price no CJ. for three is, I mean, unlimited. It's going to keep going up. And cause you yeah. think about it, you're now competing. If you go Will Anderson first, you're now yeah. competing with everybody else who wants the same thing you do. And it's a quarterback and mm-hmm. the, and the Cardinals are going to sit there going like, all right, how do we jack this price up? And they need a lot. Uh, in terms of turning things around. I know people can turn them around quickly. I don't think the Cardinals are turning things around all that quickly this upcoming year. But so they needed a lot. And so um, I, I think the way they played it, you give up a lot. But the way it was played to me, and I said this on NFL Network and like in the week leading into the draft. And it was funny because we had leading into me on TV, we had like this whole thing of all of our mock drafts. Yeah. And not a single one of them had Will Anderson to the Texans at two. Like mm-hmm. not a one. It was like Tyree Wilson or, you know, obviously a couple said CJ and like, and I was like, how is this not something that people are putting together that there would be interested in Will Anderson? Now, I guess some people think there's a ceiling uh, in terms of, and this happens sometimes with players, like, especially out of like Alabama, like he's gotten a lot out of himself with a great work ethic and great coaches. Uh, sure. How much better can he get? But it was put to me by actually people not with the Texans, like, this would be D'Amico Ryan's drafting D'Amico Ryan's. Like, mm-hmm. that's the type of per layer you're getting 
off the field in your locker room. You are now like, like to me, it almost made too much sense. If D'Amico wants to come in and change the culture and wants to have things going in a direction that he sees his vision for, for the way that locker room is going to work. Like Will Anderson's a slam dunk. Like one scout put it to me. He was like, this is a generational human being. Yeah. Like, that's about as good of a compliment. I hope somebody says something like that about me someday. Like, I, I don't think they will. I'm already this far on. I'm mean, 40, so I don't think that's happening now. Maybe you can say that at some point, like just squeeze it into this. But like, okay. that's as good as a compliment as you can give somebody. Yeah. Like, he is going to just run that defense. You're never going to have to worry about the effort on defense. You're never going to have to worry about an issue that happens during the week or within a game or at halftime that he will, that he won't be able to clean up. He's D'Amico. And you were, yeah. I think you were there, right? When D'Amico was you, there. You really, yeah, you set that up nicely because, I mean, of all the leaders as players that the Texans have had, and this includes quarterbacks, D'Amico stands above the rest. He's the best oh, big time. leader as a player that the Texans have ever had. It's not a knock on the quarterbacks. That's just how powerful, how important he was. And do you have an instance, Drew, that you remember? Because I, I got to Houston in that locker room every day right after he left, yeah. right? And I've never heard in any locker room guys still talk about a guy that was gone, like as oh, often yeah. as those guys did. It was like, if, it wasn't about like, you know, he would have made this tackle or whatever. It was like, no, this no, no. wouldn't happen if D'Amico was here, or we would have fixed this quicker if D'Amico was here. Do you have an instance? Yeah, you, you got remember? a few. I mean, look at 2009, Brian Cushing comes in. He's a first round pick. He's the rookie mm -hmm. of the year defensively. He's phenomenal. He talked all the time. Then, since, now how important D'Amico Ryans was to his development and, and what he meant. So mm -hmm. 2009 Texans go nine and seven first winning season they'd ever had high, high expectations. The next year, 2010 starts off. They go to four and two, five and three. I might be off by a game or there or so there. D'Amico mm -hmm. Ryans has the leg injury and Texans win maybe two games the rest of the way. And they have a losing season, a six and 10 season. He comes mm -hmm. back. JJ's added to the mix, Jonathan Joseph, Daniel Manning, the next year they go to the playoffs. And the the the, the hopes for the Texans as a franchise, they're kind of at their zenith there, that 2012 offseason. And yep. then he gets traded. And a, a very interesting kind of side note to that was Antonio Smith, the ninja, and Connor Barwin were out on the NFL network because there was a nightly show that they had at the time where you'd have a player or two coming on and they'd have news of the day, they'd chit chat and they were having a good time on the show. And the news broke during that show that D'Amico Ryan's got traded. And it looked like they'd both been shot. I mean, they really color drained from their face, like live reaction. Hey, what, what do you think about your captain getting traded? And it was, yeah, you know, it, it, it took a toll and to take it a little, a little further to answer your question, what happened the next year? Texans start out, 11 and one, mm -hmm. but then they go to new England and I was there. So, much, so much is made of the letterman jackets, but you mm -hmm. know what happened? The Texans had lost Cushing in week five. Yep. They had Brady James, who was at the end of his career, kind of leading things at linebacker. You had to pull a guy off the street and Barrett rude, who was a street free agent. He was also kind of end of his career type of guy. Bill Belichick saw that. And I think he, he went through his checklist. He said, well, they've got a really good defensive line. They've got a pretty good secondary. And well, that's uh, good, Drew. The, the linebacker position is uh, susceptible. And what they do, they ran wide receivers and running backs to the linebackers, and they cruised to a victory. It won the Letterman Jackets. It was a pure mismatch that a brilliant coach. Oh, they kept putting the tight ends out wide. Exploited. Yeah. I mean, yep. it was that. So you missed D'Amico Ryans 
in December, in January the next year. And mm -hmm. yeah, I could go on and on and on about uh, what he was. He met yeah. as a player, but I, I think like I, I was doing the Chiefs Niners game this past year, and mm -hmm. uh, Andy had D'Amico in Philly, and I think for only a year, I want to say, yeah, yeah. And he, we, we were talking, and he, I remember him saying like, oh, he's he's, he's maybe the smartest player I've ever coached. Like, yep. and without, and like, he's been with, he's been in the, he's a hall of fame coach has been in the game forever Seen and everything. has coached yeah. a lot of players yep. and to spend that amount of time, that short amount of time with a player and to yeah. get that, that quickly um, from D'Amico is, I mean, that's kind of all you really need to know. Cause Andy kind of, and it's not even Andy's side of the ball. Um, right. And he spends so much time on the offensive side of the ball. So like, I do think there's aspects of Will Anderson that probably go beyond yeah. being a really, really good football player. That if you're trying to turn this thing right now, you got like the face of your franchise on both sides of the ball yeah. with back-to-back -back picks. I don't, I don't think um, right now the 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 the, the entire um, what could I say the the entire like everything that goes with getting Will Anderson is is comprehensible yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, yeah, you got to, you got to kind of let this thing play out to see it, but he is potentially a, like you say, a franchise changer for sure. Okay. Let's wrap this up. I got, we've, we've been, or I've been gushing about these two guys. What's the biggest challenge going to be, you think initially for CJ Stroud and then long-term what's he got to work on most? What's, what's his biggest challenge you think, James? I mean, obviously learning the, the position at the NFL level is just a next level type of sure. thing. Um, it, it really is. Um, and I think one of the things he's going to have to deal with, I hinted on it a little bit because it happened in a few games that maybe helped mold him, but like he, he's been very successful. Like he, he really hasn't struggled. Um, he really has been playing with, let's be honest, I, I, this isn't a knock to the Texans. The skill guys he's played with the last two years are better than the skill guys he's played with. He's going to be playing with in Houston. Like, right. I, I'm very excited that John Mechie's coming back. Uh, I think that's great. I think Dalton Schultz was a huge, huge move for him right. and for the organization because everybody was like, well, why don't you just get one of these, like, young tight ends? You know, this is the best tight end class we've seen in a decade. Everybody's saying that. You know how hard it is to learn the tight end position your rookie year? Like, it's <laughs> learning three different positions. It's really right. tight end, center, and quarterback are, like, the hardest positions to learn in your rookie year. So, like, how are you relying on a rookie? Now to have a veteran in there. I think is huge for him, but I look at like, he was playing with all first round picks like yeah. Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, you know, Garrett Wilson and all of the Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to be the, like, he's playing with guys that have ridiculous separation. Um, and that doesn't happen to a lot of guys when they get to the NFL. Um, I think that's something he's going to have to learn and adapt to is, is who he's playing with, obviously, but also it's a new system. It has answers um, I just think obviously everything's a little bit different in the NFL, but I do think like losing is something he's going to have to, I'm not saying the Texans are going to lose, but obviously everybody loses in the NFL. Sure. He's going to yeah. have to, you know, deal with that aspect of, of, of the game. But I do think like he's coming in more polished than almost most quarterbacks that, that come in. I know that's valued by D'Amico. The, 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 the experience is valued by him. Uh, time on task, the success, the leadership, all those things are valued by D'Amico. Him and Bryce had both of those. Um, I think him and Bryce have a couple of the same things they need to figure out. And you got to win over a locker room the right way. That's yeah. another huge part of it. 
we talked, you asked a little bit about his relationships with guys and like, you know, Jackson's one of his best friends and he had a great relationship with Paris and, and, and guys on that team. Um, I think you have to come in and do it the right way. And I think that's hard. I think it's really yeah. hard and guys lead in different ways. Um, and I, it's going to be interesting to see how he finds his path to lead. I mean, look at, look at Herbert. Like everybody was knocking Justin Herbert coming out. Like the guy's too quiet. He's kind of like a to himself type guy. Well, when you talk to guys in the Chargers locker room, they're like, we just watch him play. We just watch him go yeah. about his business. And that's the way we follow him. CJ is going to find his, his way to, to lead the locker room and maybe having will on one side of it. And maybe that helps a little bit that he's not having to do the entire thing right off the bat. Excellent stuff there from James Palmer, formerly of CSN Houston, now a rising superstar. He's already a superstar with NFL Network. Appreciate James for stopping by. And, of course, our guy Drew Doherty for hooking that interview up. They were great together. Coming up, we'll hear from Drew again. He's going to catch up with Dario Gumbawale. He is just A5 on the Texans audio jukebox. We got all the draft picks. Drew and Dari next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Happy May 8th to you. May 4th. No, May 8th. No, I don't think there's any Star Wars ramifications of today. I'm glad to be with you. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And I thought, why not do a little Texans audio jute box for today? And I figured, why not start with my man Drew Doherty, who had a chance to catch up with Dario Gumbuale out at the golf tournament today. There's a lot going on with the golf tournament. Um, all money's raised going to the Found Texans Foundation. So really great day. Here's Drew with Dario Gumbuale. All right, we got running back Dario Gumbuale with us. Dario, it's the first time we've seen you since the end of the season. First things first, how nice is it to be out here at the golf course today? Raise a little money for some great causes. It's a great time, man. It's, weather's great. Um, well, as of right now, weather's good. But, no, it should be fun, man. It's a great turnout. A bunch of people here got, get a chance to show off my uh, my swing. I've been practicing for the last couple months in front of all these people. But, no, it's a great great cause, and it should be a fun day. Shoot about a 61, 62 probably? Add, add a couple strokes to that, but we, we'll, we won't talk about that. There you go. You got the, we got the obligatory golf joke out of the way. Okay, hey, <laughs> what have you been doing? What's this offseason been like for you personally? What's, what you been working on? Uh, just, you know, getting healthy, you know, making sure that I'm uh, able to stay available all season as I have been. So that's been my focus, just kind of minor tweaks, little, little things like that, just to make sure I'm healthy. But besides that, just kind of recuperating, you know, getting, getting back, recovering my mind. And I'm getting ready with obviously new staff, so getting my mind ready to learn new offense and stuff like that. But it's just been a lot of focusing on me. It's, it's been good, though. You've been around the block. Last year, as a team, tough season for the team. You were one of the bright spots, though. You made some contributions. How much more confidence, if any, does that give you right, moving forward? A lot of confidence. You know, I mean, like you said, I feel like I had a good season personally, and I just want to build on that. So just kind of, like I said, just replicate what I did last offseason, this offseason, to make sure I'm putting myself in a good situation I'm heading into training camp. So with all that in mind, how excited are you with the new folks here in D'Amico Ryans and the rest of that staff and a really interesting offensive coordinator in Bobby Slowick? I'm excited, man. They they came and energized the room right away. You know, they, they great vibes coming into the uh, to the team meeting room. And, and like you said, with Coach Slow, I mean, his offense is, is beautiful. So it's a lot of opportunity for guys to make plays, a lot of opportunity for guys to be put in different situations to make plays. So we're all excited, man. Like I said, just champion the, the role of, uh, of learning the offense. You know, that's kind of the focus right now, learning the playbook, learning the concepts so we can all speak the same language. So 
when we get out there in camp is, is seamless. Cool seeing another veteran in the uh, running back room in Devin Singletary. It's a, it seems like a really dynamic room that you guys got there. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great room. You know, it's obviously last year's room was great also, but it's just like you said, it's a different vibe in there, different dynamic in there, and um, I, I like the room a lot. You know, we got a lot of playmakers, a lot of guys who've done it before and had a lot of success in the league. And um, so just like I said, just guys figuring out their own roles, and um, I think it's going to be a special room. How did you spend Thursday night of the draft when the first round was going down, and what did you think of everything? I actually, well, I usually don't watch the draft, which is funny. So this year I decided to watch the first round, and of course it's, we, we shake it up, you know. So it, it was exciting to watch. I felt like I was watching a game. I mean, people are texting me like, yo, did you see that? So no, it was, it was pretty crazy to see that um, happening live, and um, I'm excited. You know, we got two great players in the first round, and um, they're going to help us win right away. So um, I, I'm excited to see those guys come in and um Help, help them, you know, kind of help them learn the way of being in the NFL and, um, like I said, help them make some, make us some plays. We'll see some of them, all of them, at rookie minicamp later this week. But what have, what have the first few weeks of the offseason program been like for you? How, how, how much has that been helpful, you think? It's been great, you know, just – We've got being in a city like Houston, you got guys are going to come to the volunteer just because Houston's a good city to be in. So um, we've had great, great turnout, great percentage of guys being there. And um, besides that, I mean, it's been good work. You know, we've been we've been grinding um, already the last couple of weeks and um, guys have been getting after. So it's been fun. And um, like I said, being around the teammates, you can't beat that. Dari, go rip it up on the golf course today. Good luck. Yeah, think, thank you, man. See you later. One of my favorite guys on this squad and one of my favorite guys in the face of the year, Dari Gumbuale, along with Drew Doherty. All right, I thought, why not do a little Texans audio jukebox and talk a little rookies? They're obviously all the rage, of course. So let's talk to those rookies. Let's hear what they have to say. Here's C.J. Stroud on coming to Houston in 2023. Well, I had a, a really uh, sought-out prayer. I got on my knees last night and prayed out loud and just Ask God, man, whatever you want in my life, that, that, that if it's your will, it's mine. So um, for some reason, I, I knew when I seen my suit in the morning, I was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, it was just something that I felt like in my heart, in my gut, in my spirit. And I'm super excited that it came true. Super excited to work with, with Bobby and, and all the quarterback coaches and everybody in that in that building. Uh, I want to definitely thank the McNairs for uh, giving me the opportunity, me and Will. And thank you to, um, to Nick, man, for the opportunity to come play for the Texans. There's always that special moment when you get that call. Hey, this is GM Nick Casario, the Houston Texans. We're going to make you our pick right here. What was that call like getting it from the Texans, from Nick and D'Amico on draft night? CJ, what you say? Uh, God is battle testing me. It's something that uh, I feel like his enemy is not on me. He's, he's, he's scarred me. So I've been battle tested. I have the armor of God on me. So everything I've been through is preparing me for this moment right here. A few minutes later, it was Will Anderson's turn, Alabama's own Will Anderson, and he's coming to play for one of Alabama's greats, D'Amico Ryans. What was that feeling like coming to play for D'Amico? Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's going to be hard work, but I feel like it's going to be easy just because I know what he is going to expect. <laughs> I know his mindset. I know the mentality that he has, and it's just similar to mine, like, that relentless mindset, that swarm mindset, you know what I'm, so, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just so thankful um, for, you know, Nick, the McNairs, all of them for this opportunity, Coach Ryans, everybody for this opportunity. I'm super appreciative, and I don't take it for granted at all. Day two started with the pick of Juice Scruggs. He had a major car accident at Penn State. How did things change after that accident for Juice? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, definitely, I saw a lot of things like we, I didn't see at first, uh, definitely being so young and sitting back and then watching it. I definitely saw a lot. 
it definitely helped me just tweak little things and just understand angles for real. I have this weird suspicion that when we look back at this draft, Juice Scruggs is going to be a guy that I like more and more. And, you know, he's a guy that, I'll, I'll be honest, I really didn't get on him until late in the process, um, but really liked what I saw near the end. I think he is going to fit this scheme. And Nick Casario reminded us, center or guard, he's played both uh, in his days at Penn State. I'd like to see him stay at center, but we'll see about Juice Scruggs. Now, a guy that the city of Houston knows very, very well, and if you throw up the U of H, well, you have seen Tank Dell work for years, and they've been two very good years, three very good years for the University of Houston. And I don't know that there was anybody more gracious, more uh, any happier to be part of the Houston Texans. And he said during his press conference and his interviews that well, C.J. Stroud played a pretty big role in keeping him here in Houston. Yeah, you know, because I, I, um, me and him was messing with something on Instagram. Then he called me and he was just like, he was just asking me about like what what the other coaches was saying and things like that, where they got me projected to go, and I was just telling him like just make sure they come up and drive me. Like um, <laughs> I told him I want to play with him. I told him we'll be we'll have fun together for sure. Um, feel like we're gonna do our thing. You know, we on a rebuilding thing with um Houston, but we gonna for sure get over that hump and we finna start winning some games. Damn right, you're gonna come win some games, Tank Dell. There's no question about that. Day two turned to day three, and on Saturday, the Texans had. Picks 104-105, and that actually turned into just one pick of 109 and a third-round pick next year. Well, pick 109 became Dylan Horton, a safety out of high school. Got to college at 205. He eventually got up to 270, and now he's settling about 260, 265. But he kept all of his safety skills, and you can see that out on the field. Here's Dylan Horton talking about going from such a uh, scrawny safety to a well-put-together defensive end. Well, my collegiate career, I probably got to college weighing 205 pounds, 215 pounds, and I got up to 275. Wow. (laughs) He says it so matter-of-factly. Like, yeah, I just went from 215 to 270 when I was in college. Uh, Man, yeah, that's going (laughs) to – I think I did that too, but I just didn't do it because I wanted to. He did it because he needed to. Uh, And he is going to be one of the players – I think that we've kind of glossed over in this whole process. I think Dylan Horton's going to be a really, really fun football player to watch in due time. Then it was time to go back to the Alabama well. Henry Toa Toa, here he comes, captain, special teams guy at Alabama. Did a little bit of everything. Played at Dale South High School out in Concord, California, one of the great high schools in the country. Here's Henry talking about coming to Houston. I didn't really talk to him. I didn't talk to him a lot. I had like an informal meeting with him. Um, had his doing with him, but it wasn't nothing crazy. Like barely, rarely talked to him. That was, that was the crazy part. Yeah, but not really, because you're a really good football player. You play at Alabama. Texas don't have to talk to you, man. They'll just draft you because they trust you. And if you watch, it's funny. I've been watching, um, actually, not even for 2023. I'm not even watching Will Anderson and Henry Toa Toa, but I've been watching Dallas Turner, the edge player from Alabama, who I think is going to be a, another big-time football player coming from Alabama. And I keep seeing Henry Toa Toa and Will Anderson get excited about that. So, uh, that's good stuff. All right, let's hear from Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. Yeah, that was a good day. Um, after Henry Toa Toa, it was Jarrett Patterson coming at pick 201. It was one of two picks the Texans stayed with, which is kind of shocking that they stayed with those picks. But Jarrett Patterson is coming to Houston, and he's excited about that. Well, yeah, I think it's pretty surreal. I mean, at first I want to you know, obviously thank Coach Ryan, uh, the McNair's, Nick Asario for – 
for giving us opportunity to be with, uh, with Houston. And I mean, I'm just really excited for one. I, I love um, during the combine process, I was training in Texas, um, love the area. So I was pretty pumped when Houston called and really just seeing the draft class of guys you're getting in as well. I, mean, I think it's a really exciting time. So, I mean, I'm just, just really pumped right now. It's, it's really surreal. The pick that had me jumping out of my chair on Saturday, and yeah, sometimes at pick 205, that doesn't really happen, but this one it did. Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State, two-time All-Big 12. Dude just gets work done. I got a feeling we're going to look back and think this is one of the better six-round picks the Texans have ever made. Here is Xavier Hutchinson on coming to Houston and his favorite Bluebell ice cream flavor. Cookies and cream for sure. Oh. That bluebell ice cream, <laughs> cookies and cream is, is is top. It's top notch. I don't think anything can really beat it. Yeah, man. Uh, boy, he just endeared himself to a lot of good people in Brenham, Texas, and of course in the state of Texas that are Texas fans. So Xavier Hutchinson is going to be a fun football player to watch. And it finished with Brandon Hill, seventh round pick out of Apopka, Florida. Talk about Apopka, Florida with some football players, man. Brandon Hill will come bring the funk for this defense and on special teams. He said he models his game after a few names that we all know pretty well. Definitely. So, like, I, I started, like, watching football for real, for real, and, like, having, like, favorite teams when Cam Chancellor, Cam Chancellor, that Legion oh, yeah. of Boom era was going on. So, definitely looked up to Cam Chancellor and guys in the league now, Derwin James and guys like that, uh, Jamal Adams, uh, guys like that is really trying to, just for them doing it for such, them doing it for such a long time at a high level, just really trying to take bits and pieces of their game, and add it to mine, but also have my own have my own game, my own flair coming into a game. So yes, ma'am. Now he's not the size of any of those players, but he certainly throws his weight around like one of those players. There's no question. I like the Cam Chancellor one. I'd like to see more guys compare themselves to Cam Chancellor because Cam was an absolute certified BA, a badass. He was awesome, Cam Chancellor, and of course. Brandon Hill. So there you go. Here in a little bit from each of the draft picks after they were drafted. All right, let's go around the NFL next. What's happening? And a rumor that came out of Baltimore I thought was really interesting. Let's hit on that next right here on Texans All Access. We go one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Now let's go around the NFL. Things we heard, saw, noticed this weekend. And start in Baltimore where – Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported the Ravens would have considered drafting Will Levis in the first round had Lamar Jackson not agreed to a contract extension prior to the draft. After talking to people around the NFL, Fowler believes that finalizing a deal for Jackson before Thursday night was prudent for Baltimore. Now, those are they're, – they're, they're related things, obviously. But if they would have had assurances from Lamar, I mean, I, I guess they wanted to get it done – that was kind of why I thought that, that draft night was going to be a big deal because Tyler Huntley was already a restricted free agent. And if you didn't really know what was going on with Lamar, could you not go without taking a quarterback? I mean, you had to. I mean, you could have lost both of them, actually. So when Lamar got done, then it made sense, obviously, to go get Zay Flowers and get Lamar some more weapons. But I'm not surprised by that. The Ravens um, had to be linked to quarterbacks – in some way, shape, or form, and they would have the opportunity to take Levis, and that's why my bold prediction was Lamar is going to announce a deal for Lamar Jackson. If that wasn't going to happen, then they were going to have to draft a quarterback, and then Lamar might have gone somewhere else. It felt slighted, but didn't happen. We avoided that, 
And now Will Levis ends up in Tennessee where hopefully he does what a lot of us think he was going to do there uh, in Tennessee and not play exceedingly well. All right, a couple other things. One that came out of Washington. I don't know if it came out of Washington, but it was uh, it was rumored, and I don't remember who put this out there, that the Washington Commanders contacted Andrew Luck about coming out of retirement to play for the Washington Commanders last year. Luck is retired. Apparently, that's what he told them. But Jim Irsay then put this out a little bit later on Twitter and said, um, I hope that's not true because that's tampering. Ooh, and it's true. It would be a clear violation of NFL tampering rules. Had that actually been the case. So we'll see if it was and who reached out to him and how that information got out. Because did, did Luck put it out there? Because, I, I mean, Luck doesn't talk a whole lot to the media. Media's not talking a lot to Luck because they know he's somewhat reluctant to talk to the media. But where did that come from? The Colts put it out there? I mean, I wouldn't think the Colts would put it out there uh, unless they heard it. I mean, they heard about it from somewhere. Um, but why would it get out there from the commander side of things? So interesting that Andrew Luck was contacted, and that might have been a tampering rule, a tampering rule violation. Nick Foles, speaking of Indianapolis quarterbacks, was released this weekend by the Indianapolis Colts. I guess they got one look at Anthony Richardson and said, yeah, yeah, Nick, we're good. Thanks for being part of this whole thing. Goodbye. And he seemingly is retired. As he said, when asked about his career and retirement, he said, almost every year of my career, I've almost retired, which, um, which is true. I mean, he talked about that when he was with the Rams, I think. He had talked about retirement back then. That was 2015, I think. Then he ended up going to the Chiefs, kind of got rejuvenated, ended up going to the Eagles. He became uh, BDN. If you know what that means, that's the way they refer to him in Philly. Won a championship in 2017. Came back in 2018. I thought he played extremely well. I mean, he played against us as well as any opposing quarterback I've seen. He was incredible against us in 2018. So Nick Foles, released from the Indianapolis Colts, I would think on the verge of retirement, but we'll keep an eye on that. All right, that'll do it for tonight's show. A big thanks to all the draft picks for giving us great sound. Dari Gumbawale, my man Drew Doherty, James Palmer, and all of you for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody, and as always, go Texans.